We're talking about Jesus saying, I am the light. Well, we talk about light. Uh, Brian said no short jokes. So I don't have any short jokes. Last time I preached, I kind of gave you an update about you know, me adapting to being in a, in a tall church. But I, gotta have, I have a good report for you, though. I have a chair now to stand on to check the mail. So that, that's great. And speaking of chairs, uh, we bought some brand new chairs from Staples. You'll have to see, but I tell you, there's no mistaking which chair is mine. It's kind of like Goldilocks. Brian's is like humongous. Mine's a little itty-bitty, but it's, but it's great. So, so there's a light at the end of the tunnel there, so I don't think I'm going to be growing in any time soon. But, uh, but I'm glad to be here today to share with you about Jesus being the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now to understand the richness to, behind this verse and the occasion that Jesus said this, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. And it says this, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Since the beginning, light has represented God's creative power. It has represented His presence. And also, light has been an example of God's character. As we see here, the children of Israel, led by Moses, are wandering through the desert by day. God leads them by a pillar of cloud, by night, a pillar of fire to show them the way. And they wandered for 40 years. But God led them each and every step of the way. To me, that shows God's compassion. It shows God's mercy. It shows God's patience. Or long-suffering might be a better word. So light stands for all of that. And the Jews, during the Feast of Tabernacles, would celebrate that momentous occasion, that whole event of God leading them through the wilderness. And by the time Jesus comes on the scene, they have been remembering this for centuries. And it's near four lampstands that Jesus stood. And as they're being lit to commemorate the event of God leading their people through the wilderness, as they light the lampstands to a hushed crowd, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can you imagine the Pharisees' reaction to this? Because Jesus was taking all of this uh, ceremony pointing towards God, and he was putting the light, he was shining the light on himself. The Pharisees, the day before, tried to arrest Jesus. They sent the temple guards to get him, but they said no one 
ever spoke the way this man does. That really ticked him off. They weren't able to stop him. And so they decided to take a more direct approach and confront Jesus face to face. And a good portion of the rest of that chapter is dedicated to them questioning Jesus. And unfortunately, there was an unstable crowd listening in. Scripture tells us that they picked up stones to stone Jesus. Much like the day began. But at dawn, it wasn't stones that they were going to throw at Jesus. But it was at a woman caught in the act of adultery. The verse says that at dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. doing what's he doing i mean he's riding in the dirt things don't look good for the woman things look pretty dark i know that they say that it's darkest before the dawn things look pretty dark for for the woman right now they need jesus to be your advocate and stand up and and tell the pharisees the religious leaders or whoever it was gathered with these stones he needs to give them what for So he's writing on the ground. Now some people say, some people who have you know, thought this through have said that perhaps what Jesus was writing were the names of the people standing there. And as he wrote their names, something else did happen. We don't really know what he, what he was doing, but when he's writing on the ground, what happened though is that he took the spotlight for that moment off of the woman placed it on him. He took the heat off her for a moment. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down on the ground and wrote on the ground. Now what people say that Jesus, what he might have started writing at this point were the sins next to the names of the people he had written down. Kind of interesting. Because after that, one by one, the rocks stop, start dropping from the oldest to the youngest. Scripture says that at this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, when I was reflecting on that, and I thought, because I can go back to different sermons that I heard, and they, you know, the whole talking about writing the people's names down and their sins. And then I got to thinking, I don't really know if I agree with that anymore. It was good sermon material, it, it preached, 
but I don't know if it really fits with Jesus' character. Because in John 3, 17, Scripture says that for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Well, what's going on? Everybody's left. Now, part of us might be wondering is, okay, so Jesus, this is what He's going to do. He's going to wait to get all the people out of there and He's going to wait till they leave, and then he's going to bring up some of his righteous indignation and give this sinful woman the what for. I don't know why I'm stuck on the what for. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Because we like righteous indignation, don't we? Because when we've experienced it, our heart rate gets up, and, and we get all excited, and our adrenaline rushes, and it's great. Because Jesus did it. He turned over the tables. There's a slight difference, isn't there? Jesus was sinless. Are we? Mm, no. <laughs> no. So we probably should leave righteous indignation to, to Jesus. So what's he do? It says here in the scripture, Jesus strained up and asked her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, he said then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Now some might go, that's it? That's it? Go? Give her a pat on the head. Now don't go do that again. Or don't get caught next time. You know, the Tuesday before Easter, Brian, uh, said to the Kelly and I, let's go for a walk. And so we went for a walk on the, on the property. We went to Citation and we prayed for you. We prayed for those who might be coming to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter. And then after we prayed from the back of the property, we walked to the front, to the cross that's there. And we stood under it and prayed. And before and, and after, I can't look at it. I, I can't look at the cross. I think maybe it's my first time kind of standing there, or I don't know what it is, but I just can't look at it. Because that horribly great cross that we have there is a symbol of what Jesus Christ did for us. What do you mean that's it? Wasn't Jesus Christ's, wasn't Jesus Christ's horrific death on the cross, and rising from the dead, enough? God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. It is so funny. It's not funny, ha-ha. No. <laughs> but it is so funny how when it comes to other people's sins, and the wrongs that other people do to us, we want to go, God, where is your justice? But when it comes to my sin, our sins, we want to go, where is your grace? <laughs> Ouch. First John 1 John 1.9 says this. My hope is that this morning. My hope is that today, 
that if you are finding yourself in darkness as a result of a choice that you made, as a result of sin in your life, I'll give you a hand up. Let's take a look. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now this verse is a great example of sometimes, most of the time, you can't trust your emotions. This verse, or a lot of any of the verses, that this is truth. God's Word is true. So whether you feel forgiven or not, you are. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Get alone with God. Talk to God. Talk to Him. Put a chair in front of you if you need Him. Talk like sitting right there. Say, God, I messed up. I need your help. And you too talk about it. But confession without repentance is just showing off. Not only are we to confess our sins, but we are to repent, which is a turn in direction. It's a change in heart, mind, and action. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Confession, repentance are both needed. Now, there's something else to talk about. Because there is another occasion where Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Because perhaps, when I mention that Jesus says, but you will have the light of life, some of you may have said under your breath, some life. Some life. Because your life right now is pretty dark. Not because of sin but because of circumstances. That things are happening beyond your control. And they're dark. Life can be quite crappy sometimes. Because we live in a fallen world, life just happens. I wonder what Jesus would say to that. You know, I thank God because we don't have to wonder. We know. Because the next time that Jesus says about being, I am the light of the world, he's talking to a gentleman who's blind. He's in darkness because of circumstances. Let's take a look at John chapter 9. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. The disciples guessed wrong. Were they thinking that he sinned as a baby? In the womb? No. His parents sinned. No. Now it is unfortunate. It is extremely unfortunate that children, that babies are, are born 
because of some of the bad choices that their mothers have made. You know, sadly, I think uh, babies like addicted to heroin and things like that have tripled in, in uh, recent years. is not blind because of his parents' sin or because of his sin. The darkness that you're going through is not because of sin. You read Job, and that's the main thing that his friends go to. Job, he sinned, and that's why this is happening to you. No, it's not. There are two foundational verses that I want to share with you before we reflect on what Jesus says next. One verse uh, for me, and my you know, mom is here and my stepdad, Bob, and when I'm going through a dark time, my mom will always send me a car and she'll write Jeremiah 29, 11 on it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Like that verse, because it tells me God's heart. Some people have said that each and every time that Jesus did a miracle, He was saying it wasn't supposed to be this way. He came to make things right. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And that's an incredible promise. It says that if we follow God's purposes, if we continue in our love for Him, that God will take whatever happens. And it may be horrible, and there is no good in it at all. But God promises that He will take it and bring good from it. Now it might only it might take God till heaven to finally make things right. But Scripture says in Revelation 21-11, it says that He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more mourning, crying, or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't it good to know that we're in the old order. Someday all things will become new. In John 16.33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome the world, we can too him so what happened next jesus said neither this man nor his parents sinned said jesus but this happened so that the work of god might be displayed in his life while i am in the world i am the light of the world having said this he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home clean. You noticed how Jesus approached the man? 
The man didn't cry out to Jesus. Jesus saw him. Jesus approached him. Jesus took the initiative and healed him. Jesus will do and has done the same for us. How? Scripture. The Word of God. It's amazing how God's Word is timeless and heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. But it's amazing how enduring life Life's different circumstances. How you'll read Scripture one verse and then another circumstance later you'll read that same verse and it'll have much more richness. The first one spoke to that situation and then it speaks to this situation right there. God uses His Word to comfort us. Everything that we looked at today is from His Word. I encourage you to use your growth guide that's there and the Scriptures, especially on the back, reading those daily Bible readings so you can delve into this further. Something else that God uses is God incidences. No such thing as coincidences. Those God instances. I tell you, there was a uh, a, a really rough day uh, about a year and a half ago. And I was sitting in my car and it was a pretty dark day for me. I was going through some trials, and I turned on a radio station that I, I don't usually listen to. The preacher was there, and he began talking about preacher's gut, which is diarrhea that sometimes preachers have before they get up to preach. I have never heard anybody say that. And when I remember when I started in, in the ministry, I was experiencing that all the time. I should have taken stock in Imodium A.D., but he was talking about <laughs> Brian's like, but he was talking about all the things that ministers go through, both emotional and psychological and things like that. And it was like you were that person was speaking directly to me. It wasn't a coincidence. That was God set an appointment for me to hear from him through one of his servants. Another thing, God uses people. God has used this church. It's kind of interesting that during tough times that our family would keep being drawn back to Centerpoint. You know, we were in a transition period when we started attending, attending Centerpoint when, when you were over in Metathorpe. And then when we were still in Michigan going through some rough times, Brian would give me a call. God works through people. And Brian say, during my quiet time, I thought about you. How you doing? And I tried to be upfront. I don't think I was as maybe transparent, but we've we we talked, you know, since just at his house. You know, when my wife and I would come to town, we'd go over to Brian and Brian's house, and we just kind of pour out our hearts and and talk to them. God uses other people. God can use you. I had this because I tried an experiment the other day. I was telling Brian that I wanted to kind of ex- experience my sermon. And so with all the lights off, I, I tried to walk up here to put this up here and sit. I tell you, I had the horrible time. Horrible. I had a bad time. 
trying to get up here. Dark room, dark chairs, it wasn't fun. What was funny, though, is later when I was done, I turned on the lights and I got to see the mess that I made out of the chairs trying to get up here. But what I noticed with this light is that in order to shine light, I'm not going to burn you. Okay, I'll keep the wax here, too. But you've got to get close. You know, thy words, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I wish it was a spotlight. I wish it was a floodlight. But it's not. Jesus says that we, or the scripture says that we are the body of Christ. And so I hope today, not only are you challenged to know that, that Jesus can be the light in your circumstance, but also hope that you are challenged to be light for other people that you see their hurt. Pray that the Holy Spirit will prick your heart and that you can see with Jesus' eyes people who are hurting, people who are in darkness, both because of sin and because of circumstance. And that you go and you be like Jesus and you draw close to them. And you do what you can to heal them. Sometimes that's just a listening ear. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a conversation. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. But I can find out for you. And get back with you. I, oh, this happened. Sorry, John 9, verse 3. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Isn't it great? I think it's great. I thought it was kind of clever. Jesus doesn't answer why. You know, we spend a lot of times wondering, well, why this happens? Why did this happen? Jesus goes right to by saying, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That one of the good things that God can bring about through that darkness that you've experienced in the past or are experiencing, one of the good things is that God can ultimately use you and that circumstance that you went through to give glory to God. God can use you to display His power and that your light spread to others. I hope Jesus is light for you.